One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. If you want to be a pro here, all you gotta do is hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by I Love You. A lady refused to cut my hair based on my appearance. For context, I like to wear my clothes until they're worn out. I have money, but I don't spend it unless I really want or need to. Money usually goes towards my groceries, bills, etc. My clothes don't look torn apart, but you can tell they're old. I wear old pants, old shoes, old shirts. All clean, just well-worn. I decided to go to a salon for the first time just out of curiosity. I usually cut my own hair, but I wanted to try something new. I signed in, sat down, and waited. The lady, who I assumed was going to be the original person to cut my hair, takes a glance at me and turns around to one of her co-workers. Without even lowering her voice, tells her, I'm not cutting her hair. I walked in with very clean hair. I was clean. My hair's kind of short, and it was all brushed out and good before I walked in. She continued telling her that she didn't want to cut my hair because I was cheap and thought she'd be lucky to get free stuff here. I didn't know they did free things for newcomers anyway. Just wanted a haircut, you know? Well, their coworker cuts my hair instead. We have a nice talk, and I end up with a lovely haircut. She was one of the sweetest people I've ever met. On top of paying for my haircut, I look at her and tell her, Here, I want you to have this. This is yours. Don't give it to anyone else. And gave her a $50 tip. The other woman saw all of that and looked angry as heck. The lady who cut my hair thanked me, and she looked overjoyed. That was the best $50 I've ever spent. Seeing the first woman's angry expression made my whole year. I'm not so cheap after all, huh? If somebody talked down about you like this, would you want to spite them and give that person a really good tip? Maybe even try to make it apparent to that one person that stiffed you? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is by Randaluminium. Sincerely forgot a bully's name and called her something totally wrong. Then thanked her for getting me fired. I don't know if this is actually revenge, but a comment I made in a different sub reminded me of this event from 20 years ago, and it feels a little like harmless revenge to me. I worked at a small satellite office, nine staffers, of a much larger organization headquartered elsewhere. The place was a seething snake pit of office politics, and the parent org was even worse. From the first day, everyone gossiped about everyone else to me, so I didn't tell them anything I could avoid telling them because I knew anything I said would be immediately told to everyone in the office and weaponized when they wanted to use it. I did assume anyone who spent 5 minutes with me would know or at least suspect I'm gay. I was 40 something, not married, not macho, etc. But a trio of my women co-workers decided that since I was single and didn't look like a player, I must be a virgin, and it was fun for them to try to make me blush. Thus, lots of sexual jokes and innuendo. Apparently, it was their job to tease me into, I'm not sure what, go hook up with a woman? I would just walk away and never speak to them about anything not work-related and absolutely necessary. I'd been there eight months, and I knew that I wouldn't last a year. They decided to go full-on mean girls and file multiple complaints about me, but there wasn't anything to complain about that was an actual infraction. So eventually, one of them lied to HR and said I called our boss the old see you next Tuesday. Right. 
Like I was stupid enough to say that to people who were making my life miserable and who would have instantly gone to our boss with it. One of the three was named Shelly. I don't know if she was the one that made the initial accusation, but she and her two friends all lied to HR and said it happened in front of the three of them. I was fired for supposedly calling our boss that word, and along with a lot of self-righteous anger about it all, I got a better job and moved on. A few years later on Christmas Eve, I was in the post office and someone called my name. I turned to look, and for some reason when I saw her face, I exclaimed, Darlene, like it was someone I was thrilled to see. I don't even know anyone named Darlene, have never known anyone named Darlene, and have no idea why I called her that, but then I said, no, that's not right. She looked like I'd thrown water in her face and said, Shelly. I said, oh right, Shelly. I'm so glad to see you, because I need to thank you and everyone back there. Because all the lies you told, and the nasty things you did to me to get fired, turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. I have a great job now with people I love, and I make a ton more money. And it's all thanks to you and everyone at so and so. She suddenly looked like she'd bitten into a lemon and said, Well, you have a Merry Christmas. And I walked away. I could be wrong, but I feel like it seemed like there's a pretty clear double standard going on here. First of all, you reverse the gender roles going on here, and that mean guys crowd nowadays, if that got out properly, might end up getting those people totally blacklisted. If they didn't have enough power or nepotism to cover up the fact that they're being sexually harassing, anyways. Our next story is by Z1000Kawa, saying you're the boss to your boss. So this happened two years ago. Little bit of background, I work for a security company at a European airport not allowed to say which, for about 10 years now. Two years ago, I became a high-ranking supervisor. I'm responsible for about 400 plus agents. Because of that, the law states that I have to follow an additional course of 132 hours plus two exams to get my degree as security manager. Basically, everyone from supervisor to manager needs to have this degree. The location of this course is at the training facility of the company where all the security guards of that company follow their basic training, refresh, specialized trainings, etc. And this is where my story begins. First off, one of the rules state that you should wear your uniform at all times when you do work-related things, like a training or course. One exemption is for the newly hired guards. They get the uniform after the first two months of basic, as well as guards from smaller companies who work for a bigger company and people who do one of the manager courses. The uniform is a black pair of pants with a red slash white shirt for agents, red and black for supervisors, a tie for the men that needs to be worn every time, and completely black shoes. No other colors allowed. Important for later. I was there with one of my fellow supervisors in our civilian clothes and we were in a class with mostly people from other units within the company. It's been four years since we were last at the facility, and things changed over the years, so we kind of felt lost there at first. After a few hours, I spotted a friend of mine, Chris, who recently started the course for aviation security. I helped him apply for the job, etc., and I was talking to him, asking how the course was and some small talk about the airport. He explained to me where the new facility restaurant is as we were on lunch break, and then went back to his group. This is where the jerk of the story, let's call him Kenny, walks up to me from that same group. Conversation went like this. Kenny said, hey man. I said, hey, how are you? He said, you seem a bit lost here. I said, yeah, it's all a bit new to me and... 
Kenny says, where's your uniform? Pointing to his own. Never mind, you're scheduled for the airport, right? Did you do your basic already? I knew where this was going and I couldn't let this opportunity go, so I played along. I said, yes, I haven't received the new uniform yet, which is true, as a supervisor wears a different uniform. I hope it suits me, awkward laugh. Yes, I'm going to the airport after this course. I passed basic a while ago, which is all basically true. Kenny says, well, I'm in training right now to be a supervisor there. I say, oh, you're going to be my supervisor? Nice to meet you. He said, yeah, whatever. Next time we meet, you better be in uniform and wear it correctly. Got it, bud? I said, yes, sir. I walked off to the restaurant and told everything to my colleague. We started laughing our butts off and went with our day. I texted my friend Chris and asked for Kenny's full name and what he was like in class. Chris told me everything, how Kenny was walking around like he knew it all, constantly talked back to his instructors and how he didn't give a freak about the uniform or the company's dress code. Really? Kenny also told the group about our conversation and how scared I looked. He and some others laughed about it, but Chris knew this would backfire. And how right he was. Chris never told Kenny he knew me and who I was, because he knew I'd handle it. Fast forward a few weeks later, I passed my course the week before and just got my new red and black uniform. I was sitting at my desk going through the names of all the guards on duty today when I saw Kenny's name on there. I located his position and went to visit him. He was standing there at the x-ray machine, no tie, black and white shoes, and his shirt wasn't ironed. He didn't see me as he was too busy talking with another guy instead of working. I talked to his team leader, who told me he already gave Kenny a warning today about his uniform, but he wouldn't listen. I said I wanted to see Kenny right now in my office. A few minutes later, Kenny walks in and doesn't recognize me at first until... I say, Kenny, you said I needed to be in uniform next time we met, so here I am. Kenny's eyes widened and realized who I was. He said, oh yeah, I was only kidding, sir. I said, never mind, dude. However, let's talk about you. You're not wearing your tie, your shirt looks like, well, crap, and your shoes aren't the right color. Not only that, but you ignored your team leader, who I trained, when he warned you about the uniform, and you were a real pain during your training. You're also slacking off at work. How come? Kenny just stood there looking at the ground and mumbled something of an excuse. I say I should write you up for ignoring your team leader, misbehavior, neglect, and slacking off. That's a three-day suspension right there. But I'm in a good mood and you're obviously new here, so I'll let this one go for now. Okay? Kenny said, thank you, sir. I didn't realize it would be a problem. I'll behave accordingly, sir. Promise. I said, great. And oh, one more thing, Kenny. He says, yes, sir. I say, make sure next time we meet, you wear the uniform correctly. Got it, bud? I appreciate the sheer amount of patience OP displayed here. You could have annihilated a total jerk like Kenny who obviously was lying to your face about their reasoning saying, oh, I didn't know. Even though I warned you about the exact thing I'm doing and I'm putting in zero effort anyways, just in general. OP's like, I'm not really going to punish you, but I'm going to make sure you feel like a total jerk, an idiot, and give them that last chance to turn it around before cementing themselves as a total jerk. Our next story is by Floyd Henderson, one from my dad during his army days, South Africa, about 1979. One of the camps my dad went to, they had a sergeant there harder than nails. Everyone under his command was the best at what they did and all super fit. 
Also, no one messed around with Sergeant or anyone under his command. Other lower rank soldiers and commanding officers were so poop scared of Sarge, mainly because one day Sarge found out his own nephew was stealing from the other soldiers. Sarge drilled his own nephew non-stop until he passed. Sarge got demoted and worked his way back to Sergeant. That's where my dad comes in. There was one private who got made troop leader for a bit, who my dad described as a first class jerkhead in training that also made mess-ups in training that seemed to be done on purpose. Every time first-class jerkhead in training made a mess-up, Sarge made him watch while everyone else did PT. One day, everyone has had enough. First-class jerkhead in training had a separate bed near the front of the sleeping quarters, so carefully and as quietly as possible, two cupboards were pushed closer together, and first-class jerkhead in training had his bed lifted onto the top of the cupboards. Right and early the next morning, Sarge is in there sounding the call. First class jerkhead in training nearly knocked himself out he hit the floor so hard. Sarge sees it as his duty to start giving first class jerkhead in training a serious dressing down right there because 1. Why is he playing games sleeping on top of the cupboards? Or 2. Why wasn't he aware enough that someone had put him on top of the cupboards? That's when Sarge chose someone else for the new leader and no more problems. I mean it's nice to finally get this guy out of the way so it isn't like giving any more heartache to people or headaches at least, but I find it so bizarre that OP kind of nonchalantly glanced over the part where they said, Sarge basically ripped into their own nephew non-stop until they passed, and then they only got demoted for it? I don't know if that's like a figure of speech or if that's just like a really bad rumor, but sounds like a bit much. Our next story is by Spotson, ruined my graduation and worked me like a rented mule? Well. Hope you don't like salt in your food. This all happened in 1999. Backstory, my cousin Charlotte and I are about the same age. We come from a pretty big family, Thanksgiving could be upwards of 35 people, and she was completely self-obsessed. She was dating a man who was 15 years older than her. She was about to break up with him because she wasn't sure she'd still find him attractive in 10 years. She was 25, he 40. But then he reveals he has over a million dollars because his parents left him a large sum of money when they died. All of a sudden, she's pretty sure he'll look just fine in 10 years. So she sets about getting married. My mother has only one request. Don't get married on the last Saturday of May, as that was when I was going to my graduation from college. Well, wouldn't you know it, that's just the day she picked. Her side of the family downplays it. After all, what's a graduation when compared to a wedding? I grip my teeth and agree to not make a big stink and we all drive six hours to her wedding. The story, we get a call the night before to get to their house, it was held at their home, early so we can set up. And we should bring our appetites because he's going to serve us breakfast. Okay, fair play. So we pull up the morning of the wedding, it's family so you pitch in. We walk in and are immediately put to work. We set up the table in the front yard and chairs in the back, over 150 chairs to be exact. We work for over an hour all the time getting hungrier and hungrier. At around 10 or so, we ask our uncle where the food is. Well, didn't we get any when we came in? No, we got there and we were put right to work. Oh well, no time now. Then the caterers show up. Well, it's a guy that goes to my uncle's church and he brought two 15-year-old waifs. The food is all pre-packaged and there's a ton of it, so my sister gets put to work in the kitchen warming it up while my brother and I are put to work setting up the serving lines. Now, my uncle was one of the cheapest men on the planet, 
and it was dawning on us that this was a Diamond Jim special. That's what we called it when he cheaped out on everything and expected everyone else to pick up the slack. By now, my brother and I have sweated through our undershirts and we're looking pretty ragged. All the while, my cousin's drifting around the house like she's royalty. I swear to God, if she had just told me, thank you for doing this, I know you missed your graduation for my big day, and I appreciate it, nothing that happened next would have. But instead, she walked up to me and said, you're going to fix your hair before the service, right? I gritted my teeth and went back to putting tablecloths out. The wedding comes and goes? The service was fine, but 30 minutes late because her royal highness wanted to make an entrance. My sister didn't get to see the first half because she was still warming up thousands of meatballs for the serving trays. Then the service is over, and without missing a beat, my uncle looks at my brother and I and says, Okay, now move all the chairs out front to the tables. My brother looks at him like he's about to murder him, but we do it anyway. All the while, we're taking crap from the guests like, Um, we need chairs over here, and you two really should have done this earlier. But the straw that broke the camel's back was when, at a moment's notice, Charlotte decides that because some of her favorite flowers were in bloom, that she wanted to rearrange the entire wedding meal so she could take her pictures there. And oh, won't it just be fun for everyone to watch them being taken? My brother and I are summoned, and off to work we go. While this is going on, the caterer and my uncle are just sitting under a tree having a big old time, while my sister runs the kitchen and is busting her butt to help these two overworked freshmen. Those two girls look like they were going to die. We are beyond hungry. Remember, we didn't get to eat that morning. But by the time we finally finished, most of the food was gone. My siblings and I go back into their house and scrounge whatever's left and sit in the living room. We're all exhausted and looking for payback. The revenge, like I said before, all of this could have just been avoided with just a little recognition for our efforts, but we came up with what we called our severance package. Just a little couple perks for our work. Charlotte's sister, Bess, hates weddings and isn't a huge fan of her sisters, so we ask her what airline they're taking to go to Hawaii on their honeymoon. She tells us, and I get on the phone as the groom. This is pre-2001, so it was a much different airline industry I was dealing with. My initial plan was to upgrade their tickets to first class. The dude could afford it, and we'd suspected he'd think Charlotte did it. Well, turns out they were all booked. So, quick-witted little weasel that I was, I tell the woman on the line that I was supposed to get the tickets upgraded for our honeymoon, and that my new wife was going to be pissed. So could she please move up to the opposite ends of the plane so she won't badger me all the way there? The woman gets suspicious and asks if this is a prank. I assure her it's not, and she moves the seats. I then ask for the no-sodium meal because we didn't get to eat today. She gets to have a garbage meal on her flight. As the happy couple drove off to their night at a B&B, we waved our goodbyes and headed to a local casino to blow off some steam. The aftermath? We knew crap was going to hit the fan because Charlotte simply sees all inconvenience in her life as the worst thing imaginable. But what we didn't know is that Bess decided she wanted in and started really scorching some earth. She called up and cancelled their B&B as well as did something to the luggage that no one would explain. Then when confronted, pinned it all on us. They had to come back and stay the night with their parents before leaving the next day. We found out this part of the story at 4 in the morning when we returned to our hotel to find my mother waiting outside for us. Now to be clear, my mother is an amazing woman. 
a woman full to the brim of the cream of human kindness. But that wasn't the face she was wearing when we pulled up. No, she was wearing the face she wore that time she helped the FBI nail a con man who was trying to destroy our family business to the wall. A story for another day. This turned into a sore spot from which our extended family never really recovered. I feel bad about that, but in the spirit of giving her an opportunity to even the score, I invited her to my wedding. She declined. I've only seen her at family funerals. I don't know if it's rude of me to say, but like, considering all the selfish behavior and lack of recognition and lack of care expressed by their relatives, it might not be the worst thing that this led to a no-contact situation like, Opie didn't have to deal with them anymore. Over the years, maybe it saved them some extra grief. This next story is by Five Frog Margin, entitled Baby Brother Feels the Need to Create Drama Over a Thanksgiving Drive to Aunt Patty's. I give him enough rope to hoist himself. I have an obnoxious younger brother, the baby of the family. He was always the good kid compared to me, so my mother indulged him all of his life, which resulted in a spoiled little boy who thinks the world exists to serve him. He had deep daddy issues, even now into his 40s. As his older brother, I'm a bit of a stand-in for our father. I look just like dad, and the family often jokes that I'm dad's name part two. Despite my checkered past, I straightened out and grew into a hipper version of dad with many of the same interests. This drives little brother Nicky up the freaking wall, and he's transferred all of his daddy issues onto me. Even into his 30s, he was always trying to berate me and criticize everything I did. Case in point, and here's where the story starts, 10 years ago, I offered to drive my mother to the family Thanksgiving about 90 minutes away. I picked up my daughter and stopped by mom's to get her. Of course, little brother Nicky was there. I'd already banned him from my car due to his obnoxiousness and endless complaining, so he decided his revenge. Instead, he was going to follow us to Aunt Patty's house for Thanksgiving. Never mind, he'd been there countless times and knew the way. I am a journey, not the destination kind of dude. I like to enjoy the experience. Even if it's a drive I've done a hundred times, the drive was nice. Daughter in the back seat, mom in front. We took it easy, checking out the sights along the way, going the speed limit. We even stopped a few times to talk about this lake or that scenic view, and even swung through old historic neighborhoods to see the houses. Nikki stayed right on my bumper, flashing his lights when I stopped too long. At Thanksgiving, he loudly insulted me to everyone for driving like an old lady. When I told him I'd be going home the same way in speed, he snapped that he didn't have time to follow my slow butt and left. The petty revenge, the following year I told him, after last year, I didn't want him following me, period. We'd meet him there. Telling him no is like waving a red flag to a bull. It sets him off. And he was at my mother's 30 minutes early just to make sure I knew he'd be following me like it or not. He had a new BMW coupe that he intended to show off as well. All I have is my six-year-old forerunner. When I showed up, he immediately snapped, He was following me, deal with it. As we all took off, I headed west instead of east. I played around a bit trying to lose him, but he was on my butt showing off in the new BMW. I then headed for a new road being built in town. We used to bike the trail as kids, and we knew it connected close to a state highway. Heck, mom used it as a shortcut to football practice. It was still dirt with mounds of sand and gravel throughout. He tried to follow, but I hit all of the potholes, 
did some off-roading, and made a cloudy mess. He tried to call, but I sent him straight to voicemail. He decided to outsmart me and turned around. He raced to the destination where the new road ended, expecting to cut me off and begin following me again. Of course, once he was gone, we turned around, got back on the main road, and took a third circuitous route to Aunt Patty's. Had another nice, slow, scenic drive, with mom telling daughter all about the used-to-be's. Aunt Patty called us, prompted by a concerned Nikki, of course, and we told her we were fine and would be there around one, just in time for turkey. Nikki sulked the entire meal. When it came time to leave, I said we'd be staying another couple of hours. Mom didn't complain, even suggested spending the night. Nikki complained about the traffic, the driving at night, and the getting mom home so late. I told him he was welcome to leave anytime. We'd be just fine. By now, the family had caught on to his manufactured drama and condescendingly asked him if he needed a guide to get back to the place you've lived all your life. He left in a huff. Can I just say I love the composure and tactics OP expressed here? Don't let the guy rile you up. Don't let the guy get you uneven and unkeeled. You just keep making the smart decisions, not giving them anything to use against you. And over a long stretch of time, you just keep knocking them one stair down the next all the way down to the bottom of the entire staircase. Need somebody to hold your hand on the way out, Nikki? Our next story is by a serious question. Some drunk jerks wanted to keep me awake, so I made them suffer by freezing their hair like I'm the Iceman. I used to live across from one bar and next to another. I was in my late 20s. And there was one dark and freezing winter night in which two rowdy young lovers left one of these bars and then decided to loiter underneath my bedroom window in the alley for a very long period of time. And of course, they were drunk, loud, and obnoxious. I was sleeping when they woke me up. It was around 3 a.m. The bar had been closed for nearly an hour. I opened the window and asked them to please be quiet and leave. They said okay quite dismissively and I assumed they would really go because it was below zero, so it was too cold for them to be there very long anyway. I waited a little while, but after a while they still hadn't left, so I opened the window and asked them to leave again. They basically told me to freak off. At that point, I got hostile and told them I'd ask nicely and wasn't going to ask nicely again. They just laughed at me. This continued on for a while, and every time I looked out, They were leaning against the wall laughing, drunkenly and kissing and smoking. It's well after 3. I open the window and tell them I am done with the warnings. So they laugh at me some more. At this point, they think keeping me up all night is freaking hilarious. I then decide that I would like to make them colder because I wanted to find out how cold they had to be to leave. So I went into my kitchen and got a very large soup pot and ran the cold water in the sink until it was as icy as possible and I filled the soup pot up to the brim. I lugged it to my bedroom window and slid the window up. The screen was already removed. They looked up and saw me smiling down at them, and they blearily waved me off and went back to focusing on each other. At that point, they weren't concerned with me and felt that they had really owned me, so they weren't paying any attention when I tilted this soup pot over the window ledge and poured this ice-cold water down onto their heads. They were not wearing hats. As the water poured down onto their heads, they screamed and ran. As they ran, I heard one of them screaming, My hair is freezing! Which I know for a fact, it only takes seconds to freeze your hair when it's wet and cold weather. I felt pretty pleased with my inventiveness and proudly laughed myself to sleep. They never loitered under my bedroom window again. 
They thought they could inconvenience me and laugh at me, but I got the last laugh. I wonder, OP probably could have been liable for some kind of like charge, right? Obviously they were causing a disturbance, but dumping water on their heads while it's freezing outside, that's probably like some kind of assault, right? I mean, they're just a couple drunks anyways, but I'm just kind of curious. And our final story of the day is by Top Desert Ace. Thank you, you slash Donachius, for reminding me of this fun story of revenge. Info leading up to the revenge. So, back a while, at my other job at an animal shelter, myself and a couple co-workers were talking, and one co-worker mentioned that her son's car kept getting messed up in the student parking lot at the high school. So I asked why, and she said that apparently another student has it in his head that one particular spot in the student parking lot is his, despite there never having been assigned parking at that school. Now, this kid, who I'll call a little crap, has a tow truck. Not even one of those big flatbed trucks, it's a crappy little beater pickup with a tow hook in the back. If you've seen the movie Cars, think slightly bigger than Mater. Anyways, whenever someone parks in little crap's spot, he then tows that person's car out and parks in the aforementioned spot, usually damaging the vehicle in the process. Well, while my coworker was telling us this, I said, you know what would be funny? Parking the Bearcat in that spot and weighing it down. It would be freaking hilarious to see that little crap try and tow that big chungus of a vehicle. The chief of police was chatting with us. The animal shelter in my hometown is considered part of the police department, and officers will occasionally visit us every once in a while. And he laughed and said, I would love to see that. The revenge, so to start, the state I live in according to the laws, Moving a vehicle a certain distance without the owner's consent and without proper towing permits is considered vehicle theft. I was told the story a few days later, so here's how it went down. The police chief placed a bait truck in the parking spot and set up a couple undercover units close by, and the truck itself was weighed down with a crap load of cement bags. My coworker said she was surprised the truck didn't collapse under the weight. Sure as crap, little crap shows up, sees the truck in his spot, and attempts to tow it away. Now, the plan was for the undercovers to come out and arrest him right then and there. What happened was that little crap did a burnout trying to move the truck. He was successful for a few feet, at least the bare minimum for a misdemeanor, and then the back axle popped out of the tow truck. The undercovers come out and arrested little crap. The camera footage was obtained, which showed the roughly hundred other times he's done this, which of course only bumped up his charges. Literally no remorse even remotely possible for somebody that's going to go and act like that. Trying to have ownership over a at least semi-public parking lot, no assigned parking, and willingly damaging other people's vehicles and somehow getting away with it? This kid deserved every sentencing that they got. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 